and welcome back to another episode of the EC DataWorks podcast. I'm Phil Serenides and joined by Missy Coffey. Together, we lead EC DataWorks, which is a project that partners with states to improve the delivery and use of their early childhood integrated data. You can learn all about the project, our partners, and access tools and resources on our website, ecdataworks.org. You can also go to ecdwcommunity.org to find our latest blogs and podcasts. And Missy, for this episode, I'm excited to learn from you about a report that you recently released with co-author Jenna Nguyen. The report looks at how states can put together successful ECIDS project teams. It is titled, Lessons Learned About ECIDS Teams, Infrastructure, and Composition. And it includes uh, results of survey data that you collected from states and information and guidance that I believe will be useful for the field. So I'm glad we have the opportunity to unpack the lessons learned. So to get us started, Missy, who was your audience for this report and why was it important to focus on the topic of team structures? Thanks, Phil. Yeah, we're excited that we were able to put together some of this information for states and what we hope is a really useful format and really is, it was more of a brief that's focused on state leaders. We know that more than 30 states are really focused right now on creating an ECIDS. And with that, they're in these planning stages and really having to think through what are the staffing needs that we're going to need to implement a system at this scale. And so as we really start to see these new questions coming in from states who who may not have been some of the initial states who were developing these systems, we wanted to capture some of the lessons learned from the states who've been doing this for over a decade. Ask them what they really saw in practice about their FTE, the roles, the titles that they played, and how that positioned them to do the work better in their state. Yeah, the the report lays out very specific approaches for putting together an ECIDS project team, the different roles. Uh, You describe general skills and contributions for the different roles. You You recommend the number of team members by role that's necessary to create and sustain an actionable ECIDS. And you even provide you know, recommended minimum percent of effort dedicated to the work. Why was it so important to be specific in the description of the teams, the roles, and even down to the percent of effort? It was really important to be specific because states were, are in the process of really moving from some of their planning to their implementation as they're thinking through their needs assessments, the strategic plans that were being developed through the PDG B5 initiatives. And they were really asking a lot of questions about what level of FTE, what were the skill sets, and who is needed for these functional teams to go forward. And over the last decade, we had recognized that difference between the planning committees and the implementation teams. But there were pretty significant differences across states and the level of time that they had staff dedicating to this project in particular. And I think it was important to outline what that looks like both during the planning phase and during the implementation phase. Yeah, you talk about the different phases in the report. Uh, Certainly an important point is there are different roles that are important for ECIDS planning teams. But there's also that second point you made about the different phases of work and how each of the roles will change as the work shifts from from planning to operations. Can you explain those transitions that naturally occur and the evolution of ECIDS project teams as they move from planning into their implementation? Yeah, I think what we saw from a lot of the feedback and the, the survey that we did with the states, and I think we saw this in practice as well. During the planning stage, we're often seeing state leaders who've often been in state roles for some period of time, who really know the various stakeholders, they know the programmatic needs, 
They're often folks who have been working across state agencies and have been in that role, but they may not be the data experts, right? So they're more programmatic and they often are joined by some sort of IT support that helps during the initial planning phase to make sure that the assumptions being built, the ideas that are being supported could be indeed feasible. That, I think, changes as we begin to move from a planning stage and we have the use cases, we better understand the information needs of stakeholders into implementation, where then we're starting to see some leaders who often have a little bit more experience with data and maybe even data analytics, teams that sometimes include data scientists. We talk a lot more about the role of research and policy analysts that often states have and can leverage or the research to practice partnerships that exist. And so then we're starting to get into the actual use and design of a system. And so even the technology supports are going to need to ramp up to support the design, the implementation, what becomes eventually more the maintenance and enhancement of a system. The report is largely based on a state survey that you conducted. And I'm guessing that there were some common experiences across states and there were unique experiences as well. What did you learn about uh, how states are putting together their ECIDS project teams? So yeah, we as we looked at these eight states, we really focused on states that were operational to really understand the lessons that were learned. And as we talked to them, I think there were many things that were in common, right? So some of the skills that they found were really important were, were very common across the states. They needed staff who really understood program, who could talk across agencies. I think what we learned, and I think one of the things we heard from states was this idea of needing more analytic support. And even the states who have had operational systems are still in this process of adding more analytic capacity to their teams. And so whether they did that by hiring analysts into the project team, by leveraging maybe their research partnerships through their local universities, there are different ways that they approached that work, but that they really needed to have that. But we also really saw that there were some differences both in technical capacity, which is really not surprising given every state has a different structure. Some states have centralized IT. Some have IT that's managed within their agency. And so there's a different negotiation, a different setup that happens on state teams, depending on where that resides. Yeah, indeed. It's been a conversation that's, that's been happening for a while, but it's also continuing. And there are many states who are even now in the process of putting together teams. I imagine many of them will be interested in this report and be able to, to use it. What do you think states can take from this report, and how would you assist a state that is just now starting to think about assembling the right team? Yeah, that's a great question. We wrote this to inform the way that they're structuring their teams and making a case for the types of staffing plans that they need. So in the last couple of months, especially as the new federal funding rolls out, what we are seeing states use this particular report to do is to advocate for having additional staff capacities. Again, the FTE that are really needed during the planning stage, if that's where they are, or during the launch as they move forward, right? So many of, let's say, the PDGB5 states might be moving more into implementation and needing to think through, do they need more or less of certain staff time? And so we're hoping that they're able to use this report to really think that through. And that's what we've been hearing from states, that this was helpful in that way. We hope that that continues to be the case. And really understanding, I think, in particular, the different kinds of roles and skills that are needed But we've really, I think, most recently we've seen the FTE kind of data be used uh, to inform the the asks of their state leaders to to staff the projects. Yes, and in addition to devoting uh, resources to appropriately staff an ECIDS team, 
they also need to have decision-making authority. So what recommendations do you have for agencies to really get behind their ECIDS teams? That's a great question. I think what we're finding from the survey and from experience now is that these state teams need to really have clear expectations from their governance bodies about the authority and when, when others need to be involved. And I think some of that's coming through that more informal conversations about data governance during the planning phase. And then it really becomes important during the implementation phase to understand and articulate what authority do the ECIDS lead and, you know, the IT lead supporting that have, and where do the governance bodies kind of play this role? The authority needed to develop the use cases, to identify what the information needs are, to bring people together is really one set of skills. And then it's a very different one to think about the skills that are needed to operationalize a data system and what that looks like in the resources needed. Another lesson learned that is included in this report is the importance of having vision. And I think sometimes we just hope that we can get enough buy-in that it will help us move from planning into full implementation of an ECIDS. But you highlight vision as being an important early step and one that can even play a role in how the project team is uh, organized and structured. So could you share a little bit more about how you see the state vision as being important for the work and important for the project team structure? Yeah, I think that's a great point. And it comes back to this idea of if you put an ECIDS lead in in the role and then expect them to come up with a vision independently, you'll get you'll get a vision and you'll have a system, but it is not likely going to be connected to the overall state initiatives and goals that you are trying to accomplish for early childhood. And so the idea of making sure that this is connected to the statewide initiatives the work that they are trying to do is really critical. And that is something that the ECIDS lead needs to be connected to, but be informed by the larger governance body. And so in the report, what we find is that states talk a lot about gathering better information across state agencies and what that actually takes. It was easier for some states who had governance bodies across state agencies that had been working together for a period of time, right, that those relationships were established in the progress that we saw there compared to states that were maybe still in the process of understanding the governance groups and the authority that even the governance bodies had to make these decisions. In some states, they said, and they were kind of reporting, that the governance body is, a, is an entity that comes together to kind of talk across programs, but maybe not have the authority to change or provide direction. And in those states, they were struggling to make progress, and compared to the states where their governance bodies had their own authority to make decisions about this policy in the direction of the state. And so this, I think, is a lot tied to the conversations we're seeing nationally around governance and the roles that that plays on the, the rest of the teams that they are supporting or trying to inform the work across the state. Another great insight that I picked up on was the way you were thinking about capacity and building capacity. And uh, it isn't simply a matter of building capacity once and making sure you have appropriate staff with the right skills and they're in place and able to do their work but you actually have an ongoing need for capacity building. And that is built into the role of the team members to focus on developing the capacity of their group and sustain the work moving forward. Can you maybe share a little bit more about the way you've thought about the need for ongoing capacity building within the ECIDS teams? 
Yeah, I think that's another really important point that the states continue to talk about, especially the ECIS leads. And there's been transition over time. So I think that's another really important point that we saw in the report was what does it look like for those who maybe had been the initial leaders five or six years ago compared to the leaders who are now coming into place as those folks either take on new roles within the state or take on new roles in different organizations. And so that idea of building the capacity, both personally or kind of as we're saying, human capacity is one area that I think we found a lot of real significant kind of support systems that were in place to help those states that were further along. Often they had the skills as an ECIDS lead to support the data work. They knew more about the data systems from previous roles where if we look across the country, those who are leading the ECIDS may not have that same skill. We're seeing them come from library science. We're seeing them come from social work. Not all of them have a PhD, right? So there is a different kind of level of skills there. So building human capacity of not just the ECIDS lead, but all of the team members is a really important part. The technical capacity, right? And this is where some states who have made more progress were states that had more IT internal capacity to build these systems or were leveraging their SLDS, which we've talked a lot about on other podcasts. I won't go too far into that, but that capacity needs to be there so that they're not starting from the beginning and really trying to understand what goes into a data system. As time goes on, we see less and less of that, though. And we've always said it's a little bit less of a technical issue anyway. From the beginning, it's more of the people, which I think leads us to one of the other areas that I know, Phil, you and I have done some research on and are thinking a lot about, which is organizational capacity and the needs that states have as you work, especially across agencies, to do this sort of work, right? So it's not just the governance across agencies, but as we get into this more technical work. What does that look like? Who owns the data? What does staffing across agencies going to look like? And who has the authority to to move this work forward? And so I think all of those questions come up, especially because an ECIDS crosses many state agencies. And so we definitely are seeing all three types, right? The human, the technical, and the organizational capacity, both evolving from the planning stage into the implementation stage. But I think as we have newer players in this space and we have more states in this space, we're seeing a lot more variety. And I think that means that there's an opportunity to really learn from both the states that were there, but we're also seeing some new needs arise that we maybe not didn't expect even a couple of years ago. In addition to some of the hard skills that are needed to do this work and how those are distributed across different roles and responsibilities, it's important for states to also have some values that are shared and reflected in the team. And, and you include the need for members to have a desire to learn and grow into a role where they can present on behalf of the leadership team. Why is it so important for you to also include these types of values and perspectives that are part of having a successful ECIDS project team? Yeah, I think what we've seen both in the survey results and in implementation is that states, they need that growth mindset because there really isn't something that's been done before, right? You can learn from a couple of the other states that have done this work. But every state has a different context, different set of policies, different actors in the space. And therefore, this idea that it, it's not going to look like Minnesota's model, right? And, or Utah's model. It could be closer and you can find states that are similar. But ultimately, the, the value of having this, it, there isn't a one-size-fits-all. And so part of this process is going to be learning and growing together as that state team. And so that is going to be a really important part of their success. The states that have figured that out and understood that this is going to evolve and that they don't have all the answers and there isn't one plan that's going to get them from point A to point B clearly, 
but that there's incremental steps over time and that they will learn from those steps as they go have been really successful, right? I think about states like New Jersey that took a really strong phased approach and learned a lot from their first phase that informed the way they did their second phase of work, right? And so that idea that there isn't going to be one way of doing the work and that it isn't a really clear-cut linear process is really important. And states who have been able to kind of embrace those values, I think, have worked really well as a team to say, we're going to try something, we're going to see if it works, and if it works for us, and then step back and, and then kind of reflect on that. And that has been a really important part of states making more progress uh, quickly instead of kind of waiting until the end, developing a system, and then seeing if it works successfully. If, Phil, was that something you saw in your experience when you did this work in Pennsylvania? Yeah, in Pennsylvania, it was definitely a, a team effort and one in which, you know, we had to work together to solve problems. And it was a progressive elaboration and it really was a collaboration. And I, I appreciate your point that, you know, we probably can learn as much from states in terms of their, their approach and sort of their ethos for doing the work as we can about their specific sort of step-by-step -step actions that they've taken because the contexts are, are different from state to state. And we can learn that there are approaches to the work that have had great results. And if Pennsylvania has lessons learned, I would say certainly having collaboration, having vision from leadership and buy-in, uh, all of those are really essential ingredients. And from there, you just take a look at which pieces of the puzzle do you have and start fitting them together. So I think that this report really will shed some new light on the specific ways that states can structure teams, the types of uh, activities and, and actions that, that they can take to make sure they're successful and supported. And uh, I, I hope that we will continue to see states build out their internal capacity and uh, find ways to really support the work in ways that's going to help them reach their ECIDS state goals. Thanks again, Missy. I think this was uh, a great conversation and opportunity to discuss an important topic. Thanks for having me, Phil. Thanks for listening to the EC DataWorks podcast, produced with support from the Heising Simons Foundation. Find more episodes on your favorite podcast app, on SoundCloud, or at ecdwcommunity.com dot org.